Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big time defensive play! No holds barred. I pity the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five! Welcome to another episode of Fizz 5. Today is Wednesday, January 31st on the eve of February, which means we're one month away from, you know, some might say the best month on the calendar being March. My name is Ethan Frank, joined alongside my partner, Liam Griffin. Liam, how are you? Uh, Morale is a little low after the tough loss to Boston College on Tuesday night, but I'm feeling good, man. It's a... It's a good day. Sun was out in Syracuse today. That's something you can't That's say. A, it's old. a rarity. It is a That's rarity right. for this time of year. Yeah. So so let's start. You, me- you mentioned what happened in Chestnut Hill last night. Let's start there. Number one. Boston College 80, Syracuse 75, the final at the Conti Forum. The Sickos defended the nut in Chestnut Hill. They did. It was, uh, and, and listening to Adrian Autry talk about it after the game, I mean, this is a BC team that at one point went on a 21 21- run spanning the end of the first half to the start of the second half and when Malik Brennan got in foul trouble Syracuse's defense just completely cratered. Yeah Ethan disheartening is the word I would use to describe the performance last night because like you mentioned that 21 nothing run really completely changed the momentum in this game around when Malik Brown had got into foul trouble Peter Carey checked in for a period and was more effective offensively as opposed to defensively kind of an inverse of what we saw against NC State the other night but when you can't have Malik Brown play with the aggression that he usually plays with, your defense completely changes, especially when you're going up against an athletic big man like Quentin Post. Yeah, and you know, for Syracuse, I, I wrote an article on theorangefizz.com uh, on Tuesday morning and they for, categorized the remaining 11 regular season games uh, and, and the first category was was can't lose, and the first game in that was Boston College last night. I know it's only a quad two loss, but the thing about Syracuse's resume is you got a lot of quality losses, but basically no quality wins. Yep. You got to start winning. If you're not going to have quality wins, you can't have mediocre losses, yep. which is what this is in, in quad two. You can't have those. Last night is a game you just couldn't afford to give away. Yeah, there are a few more things I want to bring up regarding that one Syracuse had beaten Boston College 11 straight times this was like one of those rare moments when the Bills beat the Patriots back during the Tom Brady dynasty that's kind of the feeling I got being a Patriots fan myself that's not something we are used to at all Two, the other big stat I want to bring up is Syracuse turned the ball over 11 times in this game I wouldn't exactly call that a good number Ethan but what sticks out to me Boston College turned it over 21 times and you still lost. Yeah, no, it's unacceptable uh, what happened because that just shows you how bad Syracuse's defense played, that Boston College can turn the ball over 20-plus times, whether it's unforced errors or if it's steals or you know offensive fouls or, or whatever, and you still allow them to shoot 60% from the field and 50% from the three-point yep. line. Where is this, you know, Syracuse's defense was terrific against NC State on Saturday, and maybe we're... I, I don't know, like, the, the analytics and the metrics have this team as a top 30, top 35 defense. But then there are Certainly games there are like games like we saw last night. There's what we saw against Florida State last Tuesday. There's obviously what we saw against North Carolina and, and Duke in the second half of that game that leave you so uninspired. Yeah, and Adrian Autry alluded to it after the game. He basically said it wasn't because they got lucky with all their makes. We did not do a good job defending. 
And that tells you all you need to know. Like, Ethan, you alluded to it, the North Carolina debacle, Florida State last week as well. We, we've seen this before. It's not unusual no, for this it, team. No, it's it's not, and it's a problem that needs to be fixed. I mean, this team can't put three games together. Yeah. You think about their play in ACC play, you start with a loss at Virginia, then a few weeks later you beat Pittsburgh. What do you do after that? You lose to Duke, then you beat BC, then you lose to North Carolina, then you beat Pittsburgh, you miraculously beat Miami, so there's two in a row, then you lose to Florida State, you beat NC State, you lose to Boston College. This team hasn't put three good games in a row together. Uh, Tommy Sladek of CNY Central put it, perfectly on X, I want to say, last night. The exact phrase he used was consistently inconsistent. And I think there's no better way of saying it because you haven't lost two in a row in ACC play yet. You haven't won three in a row either. No. Uh, it's something that, that needs to change. And with a trip to Wake Forest coming up, I know you're excited for that um, one, Liam, considering you're, you're going to be in, in Winston-Salem. I, I, am, I am really concerned. I mean, this would be a quad one win. It would be a huge yeah. victory. I, I think... If you don't beat Wake Forest on Saturday, I, I think it might be over the chances at the NCAA tournament in at an at-large situation unless you beat Carolina and you beat Clemson twice. Yeah, because you look at the Demon Deacons roster, not to jump the gun a little bit, we'll preview that game in a little bit, very deep, very experienced. The antithesis of what Syracuse is, you have all these young guys for Syracuse and you don't want to use that as an excuse anymore because they've been together for two years now, but... Wake Forest has brought in a lot of talent from the transfer portal. Hunter Salas coming in from Gonzaga. Efton Reed played at both LSU and Gonzaga, to name a few. This is a major test because it's almost like these two teams are polar opposites in how they're built, not necessarily in terms of skill and speed, but rather how they came into the program. Syracuse, with the exception of Starling and Kyle Cuff, if you want to go there, your core is homegrown. The Demon Deacons, the majority of their guys have come in from elsewhere. Yeah, it's a really interesting dichotomy when you look at, at how people are, are building teams in, in this age of, of college basketball. And when you talk about building teams, that's what Syracuse is continuing to try to do under Adrian Autry. Y'all for sure. Number two. All right, number two, recruits in the Dome over the weekend. There are basketball recruits, football recruits. Let's start with basketball. The guy that was there, Tyler Jackson, 6'2 point guard, plays for overtime elite Class of 2025, so not this cycle, the next cycle, currently a junior. Uh, not a lot of size, but a really talented player. Yeah, so a few things I want to bring up regarding Tyler Jackson. With his official visit during the NC State game this past weekend, I get the impression that Syracuse has moved on from 2024. I think they're set with more Freeman. Not a large class, but a class that dictates the very definition of quality over quantity. You have a fast-rising five-star with Freeman and an athletic guard in Elijah Moore. You can't complain about that. But you look at a guy like Jackson, Auburn, Bama, LSU, Illinois, Virginia Tech, Indiana, Rutgers. among others on his 24-7 profile, stiff competition. Yeah, this is this is going to be a tough recruitment. I mean, if you if you look at all the guys that Syracuse has offered in this 2025 class, uh, the, the name that sticks out to everyone is Kyan Anthony, yep. Carmelo's son. Um, but, but there are a lot of different players that Syracuse is going after. They went and watched them at the Hoop Hall Classic yep. in Springfield a couple of weeks ago. This 2025 basketball class is going to be really indicative of what Adrian Autry is looking at the future because these are players that will be freshmen when this current, you know, the all these sophomores right now are yep. seniors. Assuming most of them are still there too, Ethan. Yeah. And like to your point, we have no idea what the roster is going to look like a few years from now. I don't think it's crazy to imagine that none of the six that were so highly heralded are 
still there or at least playing in starring roles like Judah Mintz and J.J. Starling are now and Starling wasn't even a part of that six. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. When it comes to football, though, it feels like Fran Brown's got recruits in the building every weekend. Yeah, I saw a video on Twitter of him picking up trash in the Dome. I don't remember if it was after NC State or Florida State. I believe it was NC State, yeah. Or perhaps even both, but I saw him walking around during the Miami game. You probably saw him, too, because you had a you had a little bit better of a seat than I did, but yeah. we both had pretty good seats. I saw him walking around talking to fans there. I saw a picture of him taking a picture with a fan. This guy's all over the place. And how does how, well, like how does he do? You know the the essentials of life, like eat, sleep, shower. You know what, how is he doing these things? It beats me. It beats me. Do uh, we, is he? Do we know? No. And maybe you know that's the reputation he has. You know there were quotes coming out about about what Kirby Smart said about him when yeah. he was hired. I think that was on. Uh, someone was saying something about that on ESPN Syracuse this week. But the buzz around Fran Brown is there, especially when it comes to recruiting. Um, I guess, you know, the thing I'll say and I'll keep saying is, is can the guy coach? Yeah. Like, can can he, he coach uh, a football game? Yep. Like, the actual X's and O's and game management of a football I, game. I remember during the Miami game, he among he brought out all the guys he's brought in, whether it be the incoming high school class or the transfer portal. Kyle McCord was on the court as well. And the sheer volume of bodies on the court immediately makes your eyebrows raise and think, great, you got all these players coming in. What in the heck are they going to do on the field? I don't – if you – for all the players you have, you have you have to deliver, plain and simple. Yeah, and, and we'll see if he's able to deliver. They just got a four-star in the class of 2025, first recruit there. Yep. Um, and you got the second national signing day coming up. Uh, in, in a couple weeks in yep. February, I believe. So we'll see if any new signees happen then. Any any final football thoughts? Uh, keep keep coming to the Dome. I know this basketball season appears to be going downhill, but you still got a few big games coming up. You got Carolina, you got Joe Girard's return. There are ample opportunities to show just what the Dome crowd is like for hoops. And I don't want to say it's identical for football, but Residents do care. Yeah, they, they definitely do, and, and we'll see how Syracuse uses its final two Saturday home games this season. All right, let's keep, let's keep moving it on and stick on the hardwood. Number three. Syracuse women's hoops, the number 21 team in all the land. Uh, a huge game tomorrow night. Liam, I'm yeah. surprised you're still in Syracuse. I know you got some traveling <laughs> we got, to do. We got, we got 6 a.m. flight Thursday morning. Oh, so flying day of down to down to Louisville. Yep. Uh, I, I'll turn it over to you as the expert preparing for this game. What, what What's the deal with this contest on, on Thursday night? Uh, so I'll start with Syracuse because Coach Jack tried to maintain positivity after the Virginia Tech game, but it was kind of easy to tell. She wasn't entirely thrilled with her team's effort. She wasn't exactly pleased with their defensive closeouts, particularly on Georgia Amor, the fantastic Virginia Tech guard as he let up 12 three-pointers on Sunday. Easily the most it has let up all season, but it's not as if it's a decrease in quality of opponent. You're facing the top-ranked team in the ACC in Louisville, a team that had has a different look because over the past years, the Cardinals have been Haley Van Litt's team. They don't have that this year. They have only one ACC player in the top 20 in the ACC in scoring at 20th one in the top 25 in rebounding at 25th. There's no stud on this Cardinals team. It's a roster that has been completely developed through the transfer portal. 
Very, very different look. Yeah, I'm interested to see if Louisville does what Virginia Tech did against Syracuse on Sunday, which is just go to a zone. Syracuse's offense was was befuddled and baffled by the zone that the Hokies played uh, because, you know, you think about DeAsia Fair, where is she best creating off the dribble yeah. in, in man-to-man defense? And if, if Louisville is playing, you know, tight on-ball pressure defense on her, how, how is she how is she going to, you know, yeah. handle that? Uh, if the Cardinals fall into a zone, you know, that forces relying on teammates down the stretch, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, and even though, you know, you have uh, a Kyra Wood who has double-digit rebounds, you have a Georgia Woolley who's in double figures, you have an Elena Rice who's in double figures against Virginia Tech, you still lose by double digits. You bring up Kyra Wood, that creates an interesting point because on the offensive end, she was ineffective on Sunday against Virginia Tech. Don't get me wrong, they did a great job defending Liz Kitley, the worst game of the season for that the All-American. Really impressive. That, was, that was impressive, but... One, you let Georgia Amor go off. Two, she was. I mean, she. I was there. She was unbelievable. I, I was also. I was also there with a uh, doctor and Mrs. Griffin in the stands. Oh, yeah, great, great time. They're uh, first, the uh, first ever dome games that and uh, NC State over the wow. weekend. So they went the seven p.m. game the night before to the noon tip the next day. Yep, very impressive. That thing. Uh, my family appreciates your compliment. But back to the point. Liz Kitley was about as effective defensively against both Kyra Wood and Alyssa Latham. Your two big studs down low, both top ten in the ACC in rebounding. Kitley, Kitley shut them down. They yeah. both looked uncomfortable, whether it be trying to I mean, go that, up that's after a team with so rebound. much size. You, yeah. you, you got a six-five freshman in Clara Strat coming off the bench. They, they, I don't. I, I was saying it on on our broadcast of the game. Where are they breeding yeah. these 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 giant but bigs at Virginia the Tech? Other, the other thing with that though is, I'm not saying she's as good as Kitley. Olivia Cochran is no slouch yeah. down low either. She's been at Louisville for a long time. Yeah, uh, it'll be a really interesting test for for Syracuse. And if you win, solo first place yeah. at the top of the ACC. Um, I was talking to someone earlier, and it's like this this team could be a, a top four seed and host a regional yeah. in the NCAA That's tournament. That's not out of the realm of possibility. You still have two. There are three quote unquote bigger games left on the Syracuse schedule. In addition to likes of Duke, BC on the road, Miami on the road. You've got two chances to knock off Louisville. They've had your number over the last few years. I believe Seven wins in a row. The last time Syracuse beat Louisville, COVID was not a thing. Yep. And then you have to go to NC State at the end of February. If you win one, or dare I say multiple of those games, it's going to be very hard to deny them the top four seed, assuming you take care of business against the Boston College team on Sunday that you beat about a month ago. Yeah, it, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. I mean, this is the best team on campus by right far, now. By and, far. Uh, we'll see if lacrosse changes that, but this is easily the, the best team on campus. Uh, most exciting team as well. Go to the Dome when they get back on February 8th against Georgia Tech. We'll, we'll hopefully see you there. All right, let's move on and, and get back to the men's team. Number four. Wake, we talked about it a little bit. You mentioned, Liam, the roster and how Steve Forbes has brought in a lot of transfers. Is there something you think that might decide this game? Ooh, that is a really good Is there something Wake does well that Syracuse might not do as well that they could take advantage of? The first thing I'll say is that we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Wake plays Pitt at 7 p.m. Wednesday night, so there's that element to it that will be missed when this drops on Thursday morning. But my initial diagnosis of this team is that it's going to come down to it's going to come down to perimeter play you've got Damari Monsanto a guy who just came back was lethal from beyond the arc for Wake last year like the pesticide led Monsanto that's a pesticide company I'm pretty sure well either way yeah Monsanto company it is spelled that that is how you spell his last name well 
Led the maybe, a- maybe he's an heir to the, 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 the throne here. Perhaps. Led the ACC in three-pointers for a period last season before a season-ending injury. He's back. He's been lethal from beyond the arc in just a limited sample size. How do you contain him? But it's also guys like Cameron Hildreth, A.J. Carr, Hunter Salas, who's ahead of Judah Mintz in some NBA mock drafts. They have a very dynamic group of guards, and I think that's where the game is going to be decided. Can Mintz, Starling, and Copeland keep up? I'll refrain from comment on Judah Mintz NBA mock drafts. But, uh, uh, you know, when you look at this Syracuse team, I'm not really very confident they can, they can win on, on the road. I mean, you think about their road wins this season. They they handle Pittsburgh, and they handle they win those games by, what, 11 and 12 they points respectively? by 11, Georgetown by 12. And those are your only two true road wins. Your other performances on the road, a 20-point loss at Duke, a 36-point loss at North Carolina. A 22-point loss at Virginia. Yeah, and then a 5-point loss at, at Boston College last night. I—, I I mean, Boston College was a four and a half point favorite last night. I could easily see Wake Forest being an eight to ten point so favorite on Saturday. So could I, because Wake Forest also, Ethan, this somehow has gotten swept under the rug in the grand scheme of things in the ACC. I mean, this is a team; they're thirty ninth on Ken Palm right now. What, what do you think? What do you think Wake Forest's record inside the Lawrence Dole Veterans Memorial Coliseum is this year? Well, I see that they're thirteen and six overall. I'm going to say eleven and zero. Wow, you're spot on. They are eleven and zero in at Winston Salem this year. Tough place to play, too. Wake Forest has a rich basketball history. Tim Duncan, Chris Paul, Randolph Childress. Now, by no means Randolph the- Childress, who's called the last two Syracuse Tuesday night games. That is true, with a friend of the program, Mike Monaco. Really? But- friend of the program? Yeah. yeah, I'd say so. In what way is he a friend of the program? I do have his phone number. We have wow. we, we, did, oh. we, we had made contact before we met in person last week, so okay. I think friend of the program is fair, but... It's a it's a rich fan base and they're gonna come out packed. It's a weird, very weird tip time, Ethan. Seven forty five p.m. Yep. on a on the CW. On America's favorite network, the CW. But the those... things you could watch on the CW: ACC football, ACC basketball, Family Feud, and Live Golf. That's what you watch on the CW. Fizz alum Ian Unsworth, I believe, also watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, on, sure. You, on, yeah, on that's the, the, kind, of, that's the kind of content you're getting on the CW. Oh, absolutely. It's a very, very diverse spectrum. I'll give them that. Yep. But to my point, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a raucous house. Wake last time Syracuse was in Winston Salem, lost in overtime. Last time Syracuse played Wake Forest, the ACC tournament when a uh, Davian Williamson hit that buzzer beater. I believe this is a much more lethal Wake team than last year's was, too. Yeah, it'll be. I mean, I'm not really sure why Wake is on the outside looking in with a lot of bracketologists right now. This is this is a good basketball team. They're currently the number 77. I want to say on Joel Nardi's bracket. Yeah, they were just on the outside of the next four out. Yeah, I'm so so confused as to what the the deal is with why these perceptions. I do not. I do not get those. I was I was seeing numbers like the Big 12. You know, eight nine teams potentially in the tournament, and the only team with this non-conference strength of schedule in double digits is Kansas. Everyone else is 100 or worse. It's, I mean, it's it's silly. Uh, whereas you have a team like Syracuse that plays a, a ridiculous, and this isn't to make an argument Syracuse should be in the tournament, but to make an argument that Syracuse plays this uh, like very difficult non-conference yep. schedule, and it's hurting them yep. more than it is helping Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Which, which doesn't really seem fair at all. I, I agree. I agree. And, same, same for a deal like Wake that matched up with an SEC school in the ACC SEC Challenge. I don't remember the Big Twelve playing it. No, oh, the Big Twelve matched up with the Big East. Yes, to be fair. Uh, like we'll we'll see what happens. But yes. I, I think I saw the best non-Kansas non-conference win was a win by Kansas State in November over your Friars uh, in Providence. 
and that might that be the game, best. I, I believe that game was at a neutral site. Yeah, like whenever it was, it was in mid-November, yeah. and like that's what we're relying yeah, on that, here. That game was at a neutral site. So with all this tournament talk, I think that that leads that's us perfect into our final topic malarkey. today. Malarkey is the word I'd use to describe net rankings, though. Number five. The net rankings a hot topic of conversation that'll help decide how teams get in the NCAA tournament. And you know, I talked about earlier. You know, this Wake Forest might be a do or die game for for Syracuse. Is there still hope? I wrote an article about this this morning on theorangefizz.com, one where I laid out how stupid as they may be, neither the net rankings nor Ken Palm favor the Orange because they've struggled over the past few years. And, Ethan, that, that is hurting them in where they're ranked. Syracuse on the outside looking into the top 75, even though their resume isn't awful by any means, I'd argue it's comparable to a Wake or a Virginia Tech, even though the talent cap says otherwise. But struggles over the last few years, have not put the orange in the good graces of many bracketologists. But the way I see it, you have three games that you quote-unquote can lose. That includes Wake on the road, Clemson on the road, Carolina at home. If you lose any one of those games or any one of those other seven games, I think you can put a red X over it. That still may not be enough. Yeah, I want to read this paragraph from from your article today. Liam wrote, but somehow, somehow, Hope somehow springs eternal. Jeez, I can't read. So tournament talk will, of course, remain at the forefront over the last month plus of the season. If Syracuse is to make it, well, there isn't exactly room for error. The only contests you can afford to lose without it absolutely killing you are Wake on the Road this weekend, North Carolina on February 13th, and the regular season finale at Clemson. That gets you to 21-10. and 10. Unlikely as even that is, that pro- still probably won't be enough. Losing those games would kill any possibility of a signature resume booster, so not not only can you not afford to lose a lot, you desperately need a game-changing victory, and that's I think that's a perfect summation of where say, Syracuse but, is right now. Give me a counter-argument, please. No, I no, would there entertain isn't, it. There, there isn't one. Uh, this team needs quality wins, yep. and it needs to avoid quality losses. And, you, you know, you would have thought coming into the year, okay, they win 19, 20 games in, in the regular season. There's probably a pretty good shot at the tournament. I mean, not without nope. a quality win nope. here. Yeah, yeah they, they've had plenty of opportunities for them throughout the season, Ethan. Time is ticking to get one, Yeah, period. We'll see what happens. Uh, but, the upcoming schedule, Wake and then Louisville at home next week, then Clemson at home next Saturday, and then Carolina at home. To answer the question, there's still hope to make the NCAA tournament. You need a wing and a prayer to do it. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if Syracuse can get it done. Liam is all over the ACC this weekend. You're yeah, going to Louisville and then to Winston-Salem. What What is the travel plan like? What What is, what is the itinerary? So I wake I'm going to wake up, what, 3.30, 3.45 Thursday morning to catch a 6 a.m. flight to Detroit, then head into Louisville, calling the women's game, spending Thursday night in Louisville, then have an 11 a.m. flight to Atlanta before heading to Greensboro on Friday morning. There through Sunday, we depart Greensboro at 6.40 p.m. Wow. So it's going to be a long time in Greensboro. Be, I'll be, yeah, we'll be in the Greensboro, Winston-Salem area for a while. So I'll be outside of the Syracuse area for – in total, of roughly 90-something hours. Wow. Uh, it sounds like my trip down to North Carolina a couple yeah, of weeks Yeah, because you went from Winston-Salem to Chapel I went from Winston-Salem to Chapel Hill. Um, unfortunately, you're not getting Chapel Hill. It's just the best. Uh, I, I, I've, I've heard it's a very nice area. I, I have nothing but good things to say about Chapel Hill, North Carolina, despite their Tar Heels losing to Georgia Tech last night. I mean, the ACC North Carolina is just wild. Still, can, still could win the national oh, yeah. championship. Still, still could be a one seed. Still could win a national championship. Georgia Tech now beating Duke and North Carolina this season. But – 
are probably still not going to make the NCAA tournament because they already have 11 losses. Yep, they're, they're, they're 500 right now. They're uh, the two best teams in yeah. the ACC. All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of Fizz 5. Thanks for tuning in. Of course, we'll have full coverage articles up every single day on theorangefizz.com, and we'll be live tweeting and having our recaps and Twitter spaces up after every single Syracuse basketball game. It's an exciting time here in central New York. Liam, thanks for, for a great show tonight. Yeah, it was fun. Well, we, we hope you tune in. Uh, on Saturday when Syracuse takes on Wake Forest. Follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz and be on the lookout for that Twitter space I mentioned as well. All right, for Liam, I'm Ethan signing off. And as always, go Orange. And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.